Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 1001 of the Tennis Podcast. Don't worry, I won't number every episode going forward. But since yesterday was our 1000th episode, I've done the maths, folks. And today is our 1001st <laughs> episode. You find the three of us, myself, Catherine Whitaker, David Law, Matt Roberts, at Tennis Podcast Towers London Edition. If there's some strange scratching noises in the background of this pod, it's because Billie Jean is on my lap and she's nibbling away at a bone. Uh, and why wouldn't she want to be doing that at 10 past midnight? Because that is the time, folks. No night sessions at Wimbledon. No night sessions to be seen. And yet here we are after what's been quite a fun day of tennis, I think. Is is fun an adjective that we're all comfortable with to sum up today? Yeah, I think so. We said that Tim Van Rijthoven would make it fun. And he certainly did for a set. And anyway. isn't it great that we were extremely vague about <laughs> what we meant by fun? It was a very deliberate word choice. <laughs> there, was, there was just a little bit of Lucas Russell from 10 years ago. Can you believe mm. that's 10 years ago? Gosh. About that set. Um, the difference was that he, he couldn't keep it up, but also Djokovic didn't let him keep it up. You know, um, I think Djokovic 2022 is just a very different proposition to Nadal twi- 2012 as it would have been but it has been a fun day I, I I do think there's been a lot to to enjoy today yeah I mean I was going to start with Elaine Ostapenko which is where all of our days started today because that is an energy that will live with me <laughs> for a long time but since we've gone down a a Tim Van Reithoven avenue should we should we stay down that avenue because that is what we've most recently watched it managed to finish just inside the the Wimbledon curfew of 11pm thanks to to Novak Djokovic's utter brilliance but before Novak Djokovic's utter brilliance it was really good vague fun for quite a while (laughs) Tim Van Rijthoven playing in his first ever Grand Slam main draw up against Novak Djokovic who with that win tonight makes it 25 in a row unbeaten at Wimbledon He's obviously going for a fourth consecutive title this year. I mean, yeah, for those, I mean, we should talk mostly about the second set, shouldn't we? Because that was the one that was, quote, fun. And it really, really was. And I love the Lucas Russell comparison, David, because I was sitting there listening to the the sound of the ball off the racket under the roof on centre court. And I was, it was reminding me of something and it was... It was Lucas Russell. And I know a large part of those acoustics are the roof being closed. That Somehow the, the thunder crack of a, a ball off the racket is exaggerated and amplified. But still, it was it was Russell-esque. I've, I've seen a little bit of Tim Van Rijthoven when he did what he did in Sogenbosch. I, you know, I found some footage of it and watched that. And I saw a little bit of him a couple of rounds ago. I didn't know he could hit the ball like he did tonight I that 
took my breath away. Yeah, it's a really clean strike, and it, and he's a big, strapping guy. I mean, he's six two, um, but he's broad, and he he goes for it. And I think what happens under the roof is because it's under lights. You feel like you're out for a night out. It, it's a different feel to the daytime. And the crowd are all up for a night out at that point and, uh, and a bit of drama. And, and he, was, he knew that his normal game is not going to get it done against Novak Djokovic. I don't, and I don't even know what his normal game is. <laughs> but I know that it ain't that because he was, having to go, he was having to push the limits. He was having to redline his game. And for a set... He not only redlined it, but it worked. And and what was really impressive is that after he'd broken and Djokovic decided enough, lockdown, stop him playing, make him play horrible shots, make him face break points, he stood up to the break points and still got over the line in that second set. I mean, it was it did feel like Djokovic took that personally because then he won about 10 of the next 11 games, but... Even so, it was a mightily impressive performance from Wright Owen because he didn't freeze, he didn't he could have done, he could have just it could have been one of those embarrassing one sided landslides. And it wasn't. He he's got a game I compared him in commentary to Aslan Karatsev in terms of the way he just has come on the scene and actually has what looks like a sort of ready to go game. The the backhand is a, a bit a bit erratic and and that can be picked on but only by players like Djokovic or really you know top players I th- it was erratic tonight because he was at the absolute limits of what he was capable of yeah. wasn't he as you said he was having to absolutely just redline it which generally speaking is unsustainable for anybody but the absolute best in the world yeah absolutely and I th- I found it was particularly impressive how he started redlining set in you know it was like it was possible that he came out brilliantly and would have troubled Djokovic and it sort of tailed off but what happened was that he came out and his stuff wasn't really working Djokovic was was too good for him immediately broken three love down you're thinking "Uh uh-oh yeah this is this is going to be one-way traffic probably and yet he found an extra gear and I thought that was really impressive but my you know my takeaway ultimately was just how Damn good, Novak Djokovic yeah. is. I mean, that was a that was a sticky situation there. Not, I didn't ever think he was going to lose, but I thought he might be left over having to finish it off tomorrow because he had about eighty minutes to win the last two sets before the eleven p.m. curfew. He was probably thinking, "Bloody Cliff Richard!" <laughs> at that point, <laughs> poor Cliff. He wasn't the only because one. of course, because of course, the uh, the schedule on centre court started. Later today, or the tennis schedule on Centre Court started later today because they had an incredible ceremony to mark a hundred years of Centre Court, and it was. They had so many past champions, and they announced them out onto court brilliantly. They had those doors at, at the back of the court that that are new this year that were opening stars in their eyes style to reveal one champion after another and there they all were standing next to one another with the big reveal of Roger Federer at the end and of course they did it in order of how many titles they'd won and so Roger Federer ended up being the last with eight and it should have been Martina Navratilova following him with obviously the record of nine but she's contracted COVID and um, I'm gutted for her that she wasn't able to be there today because I know how much that would have meant to her and what it would have meant to the ceremony to have you know the all-time great there but anyway that was it was it was wonderful it was beautifully done in the way that sort of only Wimbledon can do that kind of pomp and ceremony there was a portion of time before that where there was quite a lot of Cliff Richard singing. And I'm not going to delve too deep in my feelings about this because I have already insulted a uh, <laughs> a, a British legend of the musical world uh, on this podcast uh, during the last week or so. But I, I, I feel like the ceremony could have been streamlined somewhat. Yeah, mm. uh, they always can. And they're always going to overrun. And, and it overran a bit. And, and inevitably that feeds into the tennis and that's that's the problem with it and and they didn't move the start time of centre court back 
at all to allow for the I mean I think the ceremony itself lasted 45 minutes but with sort of stuff either side you know we're talking about minimum hour delay really for the players getting out so that's 2.30 start time for you know what turned out to be three pretty meaty matches I think they're incredibly lucky to get it done before curfew yeah, well, they, were, they had 20 minutes to spare mm. in the end. So, and, and they had no. And, and, and that was Djokovic rattling through. Yeah, proper efficiency from four. Djokovic, who, who, who had a vague knowledge of there being a curfew. But mm. yeah, it, wasn't. Was, it was like someone was standing courtside tapping their watch. Like, <laughs> We'd really like to get this done, Novak. I'm sure you would as well. But, but I, I did find the, uh, the ceremony really uplifting and moving. Uh, gen- generally speaking, oh. I missed the montages at the start, but when the players came out and they're all standing together, and then uh, they, they played the music as well, and that was that was yeah. lovely. I, I will remember that for a long time. That yeah. parade of champions, I thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, you had your one-time champions in there, like Angela Mortimer. It was brilliant to see her, and she was chatting to Nadal. I'd love to know what they were talking about. Um, <laughs> and then you had. Venus Williams emerging, well, serving a look with the, the hair, the fit. It was what they had was magical. Bjorn Borg. What, they had five ti- five time champions, and they had they were obviously lining them up. They were they were coming out in quite quick succession, and the doors would open and then close, and the doors opened to reveal Bjorn Borg as he's announced. But you can see the silhouette mm. of Venus Williams behind him, the absolutely iconic silhouette of Venus Williams and it was oh such an epic moment and then and then Chris Evert comes out and you know it was touch and go whether she'd even be able to make it to to Wimbledon this year because she's been having chemotherapy and my goodness me we we wish Chrissy well and it's I got really emotional seeing her come out onto court and of course tears continued as Billie Jean King came out onto court and there she is chatting away to John McEnroe and Sue Barker and then John does his tribute to Sue Barker which he she handles with just the ultimate elegance it was it was really quite something mm yeah it really was and Federer gives the line that he hopes to be back at Wimbledon one more time i mean it was it was perfect that that whole thing and um that was probably my overwhelming take on the day yes it it was fun but what I really felt today at Wimbledon was the sense of history you know it was the first ever scheduled play on middle Sunday so it was a historic day in itself they were marking the 100 years of centre court and then you just had people at Wimbledon who've made all the history all those champions you had people taking part who, you know, like Novak Djokovic, who are hoping to make even more history. And then we'll come on to a player who I think was a little bit intimidated by the history and kind of was pretty much open about that. And that was Carlos Alcaraz saying he found playing on centre court. He didn't use the word intimidating, but that was pretty much what he was getting at. And he said he didn't he didn't handle it very well. And he talked about the essence of centre court and what it means in the game. And it was all a bit too much for him. And it can it can swallow you up. It's it's an amazing place. You you actually saw that even when he came out. I, I thought it would manifest itself in kind of uplifting mm-hmm. him and energizing him and inspiring him. Actually, he. He was really poor for the two sets. Yannick Sinner quietly was brilliant and actually stopped him playing and was mm. and took o- took over that match. He, he showed a lot there, um, but you, I think it did show that Arkraft was just. Ooh, it not- bore a lot of similarities to the Zverev match in Paris, didn't it? You know, you texted the group, "Gosh, when Alcaraz is bad, he's very bad," and yeah, you yeah. know, I, I guess part of that is relative to our expectations of him, but when it goes off. It, it goes off quite spectacularly, doesn't it? And he, he he's not the most demonstrative player, but you do know how he's feeling. You know, yeah. And, you know, he was he was so frustrated out there, wasn't he? Just like he was in, in Paris. It was amazingly similar. Yeah, it really was. I mean, even the pattern of the match, two very, very bad opening sets from him, gets it back in the third set with some absolutely spell binding tennis in that tie break Mm. I mean the little half volley winner that he hit um, 
in that tie break was, I think, the best. Well, maybe not as good as Marie Buzkova's backhand up the line, but otherwise the best shot I've seen all tournament. Um, and then just didn't quite have enough in the fourth set. It was all very similar to the Zverev match. But what I felt is that watching Alcaraz this season in you know Miami and Madrid, it's blown my mind how in control of his game he seemed generally with all the options that he has. And yet you see a performance like this and the one against Zverev, and it, just as you said, when it goes off, it really goes off. He suddenly looks like he's not in control of that game and he doesn't quite best know how to use his drop shot and how to deploy the forehand. He doesn't doesn't seem to quite have set patterns of play that he relies on. It's all a little bit all over the place and he's trying to keep it under control and he just couldn't quite today versus Sinner who was awesome, who was completely in control of his game and really kind of overpowered Alcaraz. I mean, he's such a slight man-sinner, and yet he's got such power on his strokes. And I think he took Alcaraz back with his power and with his timing, and he he was in complete control of his emotions and of his game-sinner in a way that Alcaraz just, just wasn't quite today. It was quite a stark contrast yeah it it was it was very striking it does not totally universally but it does take longer for players with options to mature doesn't it to to figure out their game and deploy it in a way that wins 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 big tournaments on Jabeur has talked about that now I, I know there's a fitness element with on on Jabeur and a belief element as well but there's also Figuring out how to use her incredibly massive tool bag. Even Roger Federer. It took him longer than people expected it, it to take yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. Whereas, you know, a Yannick Sinner, I mean, I'm not saying he's one-dimensional at all, but it's very clear what his game plan is. And that's going to be pretty similar every time he walks onto the court, no matter who he's playing, no matter what he's doing. He's drilling that forehand. He's trying to take it early. He's drilling the backhand. He's drilling his ground strokes. And yeah, some matches he'll try and play more into the opponent's forehand and some he'll play more into the opponent's backhand. But by and large, he's doing what he does. And I, it, it makes sense to me. Thanks, Billy Jean. It makes sense to me. That's somebody somebody playing the drinking game is having having two shots right now um, for a Billy Jean bark. Um, it makes sense to me that it is brilliant and precocious as Alcaraz is. It might take him a bit of time. Yeah, I think that's that's true, and he still looks like a foal to me, finding his legs and suddenly discovering they work at times, particularly on grass. You know, he doesn't look. He didn't look comfortable out there, really. He didn't look like he knew what was going to happen next. Whereas Sinner did. For Sinner, it was all second nature. This is what you do on grass, which is interesting in as much as he'd never won a grass court match, match. before this tournament. Um, but that, but he didn't look like that. Mm. Whereas Alcra, if you said Alcras was in that position, you would believe that he was the one who had never won, won a grass court match before because he just... He wasn't playing grass court tennis. I mean, Sinner. Okay, he's not. It may not be classic stuff, but his his movement and his bat, his base and his foundation and his ability, his knowledge of when to go for a shot and when not to. There was a clear difference between the two of them. Mm. Even even a, a spectacular winner I saw that Arkras hit down the line with the forehand. It was just a kind of all or nothing shot because he was so far out of court and he was going to overrun the ball. So he either picks out the postage stamp in the corner or he's lost the point, no matter what. There was much, there was much more in the way of combinations being played by Sinner in order to win points. And uh, there, there were much more reliable patterns. If there were a men's backhand list, I think Sinner would be on it. But there isn't. Not at the moment. I haven't, well, I haven't got one. I, I think I tend to think more about women's backhands. I just think the forehand is such a dominant shot in men's mm. tennis that the backhands stand out to me more in women's tennis. Looking forward to you developing that mm. list over the next 12 months. I think I'm going to have to. It's Sinner. good to have goals. You can't have achieved everything already. <laughs> Quite. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a line from a, a book I love, a Dolly Olsen book, um, about um 
she and a girlfriend, I think, are just discussing discussing men, and and one of them refers to uh, a, a man in their life as not being very emotional. And the response to that is everybody's emotional. It's just some people people process and deal with and express their emotions differently. And I do believe that is the case. I do believe Yannick Sinner has emotions. <laughs> we just don't hear about or see them very Unless much. Unless he's in Italy. Unless he's in Italy, yes. And then he of comes course. alive. Only comes in alive. Turin. Yeah. Only in Turin. Um, he, he was asked to describe his emotions after the match, wasn't he? In the on-court interview, and <laughs> didn't go brilliantly. It didn't go brilliantly. Did what did he say? Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that, that good. Mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was underwhelming. Okay. Yeah, he's he's an understated guy, unless in Turin. Mm. But but with this not at all understated game. No, and honestly, his power takes me by surprise. I, I don't see it coming, the way he just suddenly can, you know, hit a 100-mile-an-hour forehand, seemingly without changing that much, without throwing himself into the ball. It's such sweet timing. Um, I think it's the first time I've watched him live. Um, and anyway, he's, I think he's now made quarterfinals at three different slams on three different surfaces which is quite a big thing. And I, and I was thinking, actually, you know, I think we're very, very excited about Alcaraz and in a very obvious way, just because of what he's done this year. But actually, you know, Sinner, in a more understated way, has done similar things. OK, he hasn't, he didn't, he didn't do what Alcaraz did in Madrid and beat Djokovic and Nadal back to back like that. But, and he didn't end up winning Miami like Alcaraz did. But he reached the final as a teenager. He's reached quarterfinals of slams, which is as far as Alcaraz has gone. There's a little bit of a similarity in that I think they're both pretty humble. You know, they, they're both, I think Nadal would call them healthy people, both of them. Um, <laughs> they both had this sort of father figure influence for Sinner. It was Piatti, who he's obviously no longer with, and Alcaraz, it's Ferreira, who he is still with. So... I, I'm excited about Sinner Alcaraz as a, as a potential rivalry, to Ooh, be honest. You said the R word. I have, yes. I have. You I, could, I you think could their see games on, match up nicely. You could mm. see it on, multi, on all the surfaces. Mm. Mm. Totally. I'm here for that. Mm. Can Sinner challenge Djokovic in the next round, in the quarters? I tell you, Djokovic looks amazing. Yeah, Djokovic looks the best he's looked at this stage of Wimbledon, to me. And I know it's recency and all the rest of it, but it's still how I feel watching him, and I know he lost a set today, but even that was a guy playing out of his mind. Djokovic's reaction times are so finely tuned at the moment, but with proper intent on shots. He's not He's not just rallying for the sake of... He's not like extending rallies to 30 shots at all. He is going to make you pay, and he's going to do it quickly this, this year. And uh, I don't know. Not sure how you stop him. Not sure how you stop him. And maybe Nadal could. Um, if they got to the final, obviously Nadal's good enough. Um, but Sinner, I think Sinner can put up a good fight. And um, if he plays well, he can put up a good fight. And I think he could win a set. I'd be surprised if he, very surprised if he beat him. Very surprised. The other men's quarterfinal that was uh, decided today or set up today was Cameron Norrie against David Goffin. Norrie put in a world-class performance to beat Tommy Paul. Three sets, 6-4, 7-5, It was, I know to say professional is damning with faint praise, isn't it? And we do so much of that with Cameron Norrie. But it was, it was wasn't it? It was just, you know, don't... Oh, he cares about the occasion, obviously, but just processed and digested all of it and just went out there and played top 10 tennis. I was interested to hear Leon Smith in our commentary when we were doing the Djokovic match. He said when he was courtside, he looked up the speed of Norrie's shots because he felt there was more on them than there had been throughout the rest of the tournament. And he found out that that was the, that was the case. They, they'd re, they'd, he'd come up amped, ready to go. And I think I think a lot of it is... 
ticking that box of reaching Pressure's the second off. week. Mm. I've done that. Right, that now. That was the goal. Next, yep. next one. Mm. And he took it to Tommy Paul. And and that is very much his his attitude in the macro, isn't it? As well, He's never satisfied. It's always the next thing. It's always the next goal. It's always the next thing to strive for. Never content, never satisfied. And that's what's got him to where he is. Mm. Yeah, and I think it probably helps a little bit that he knows Tommy Paul very well. They practice together all the time. Play doubles together a bit, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and I think he just felt very comfortable in that matchup. And as you said, he played the end of every set brilliantly. He just... It was it was quite tight at times, and yet he just played the big points really well. It was just, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to damn him with faint praise and say professional. But that's exactly what it was. It was such a job well done on a stage he'd never been at before. And yes, it helped that Tommy Paul was sort of similarly inexperienced there. But no, he just does what he does, and it's so good. He uh, he lives down the road from me, from from us where we are now, uh, in Putney. I won't disclose his his address, um, <laughs> although in a in a conversation that ended up being far weirder and more awkward than I had planned, I I I did. We were, we were doing chit chat before our pre tournament interview in Queens, and I'd seen him post an Instagram, um, put up an Instagram post from his flat, and, it, and I and I thought, oh, that's I know where that view is. And so we were doing, you know, the awkward chit-chat while the cameraman establishes the shot and everything. And I sort of very weirdly blurted out, where do you live? (laughs) (laughs) And then had to row back on it and try and make it less weird. Anyway, he handled it very well. And he does indeed live down the road. And he's cycling in to Wimbledon every day. Good lad. Yeah. I walked in today. Mm. He went for a run yesterday. I walk in every day. Yeah, you do, don't you? Albeit closer, I guess. <laughs> the BBC have already done... They they went early with their on-your-bike feature. Did they? With Cameron Norrie, yes. Oh, good. Yes. They need they need some more as he progresses through the tournament. I think it's tournament. quite a rich seam of content, isn't it? Cycling in, cycling in every day. Um, well, he will face David Goffin in the Wimbledon quarterfinals. Goffin beat Francis Tiafo in an epic. Some uh, longest fr- match of the tournament so longest far. Longest match of the tournament. A friend of mine described it to me earlier as a match that defied physics. Seven five in the fifth for Goffin. That's the second slam this year that Goffin has knocked Tiafo out of. Doesn't Tiafo um, know it? With apologies to both mine and David's mum. Fuck that guy is what Tiafo <laughs> said in jest or, you know, with a twinkle in his eye uh, about Goffin after the match. Um, it was incredible. It was a stunning match. Really high quality. You didn't know which way it was going to go. And... This means a lot for David Goffin. It it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Marin Cilic's run at the French Open last month in that I didn't think we were going to see this again. From, I thought he was going to retire. After, after, COVID, after COVID and, and the pandemic and lockdown and everything, he was, seemed so dispirited. Yeah, I was looking at his record from March 2021 to March of this year. That's really not that long ago. Nine wins and 19 losses. <gasps> Oh and that word. included a seven-match losing streak in there. Gee. He was really, really struggling. He had to um, qualify, I think, for Madrid this year. You know, David Goffin, who is... I I think of him as an established top 20 player, you know, who occasionally gets himself in the top 10. Bit of a Nishikori. Yeah, like mm. he's he's so talented and has been so consistent over the years. This This last year has been... It's been the anomaly, really. It's been a been a dark time for him, and he turned it round at Davis Cup this year when he got some wins. And since then, he then won that title in Marrakesh. I think he's been playing a lot better, and he loves the grass. It's, it's, he, he reached the quarterfinals at Wimbledon the last time he played Wimbledon, which was 2019. And yeah, it's it's really really impressive from him as well. And to win a match as physical as that one, I mean, you could practically see Tiafo shaking from the lactic acid. <laughs> build up in his legs in that fifth set. It was extraordinary. And for David Goffin, you know, 
by far the older player coming through the injury situation. I mean, when would he have last played a match that long? Goodness knows when. But anyway, for him to, yeah, to, I mean, he didn't necessarily, Tiafo didn't fail physically, didn't outlast him, Goffin, but to just be on an even footing physically is, is an incredible story, I think. Goffin, Norrie for a Wimbledon semi-final. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... You'd have to think if you were either one of them, great opportunity, um, because normally they're going to be running into one of the big four mm. or five, aren't they, at that stage over the course of certainly Goffin's career. He would have had all sorts of mm. matches like that. And for Norrie as a first-time quarter-finalist, um, I mean, I think Goffin is a, is, is a sort of player that could, could end up beating him, but have big a deal is that four hours and 36 minutes mm. that's you know Norrie's just gone through in three three sets and he can run all day he could make that physical in a way that could determine the yeah. way it goes with his big lungs yeah with his unusually big lungs many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. I think you'd have to call Goffin Tiafo the match of the day uh, on either the men's or the women's side. But for me... Yelena Ostapenko <laughs> and Tatiana Maria runs it close. Tatiana Maria, 34 years old, 103 in the world, recently come back from her second maternity leave, one three five seven seven five seven five. Uh, I say one through. Um, what I should say is collected Yelena Ostapenko's mistakes in order to win through to uh, Wimbledon quarterfinal because that is how Ostapenko... <laughs> Summed up the match. She was lucky, lucky, lucky. <laughs> no way, really. Well, yeah. she got a lucky three different times in the press conference. It was amazing. Oh my word! <laughs> Did you have you seen the clip of her leaving the court? I saw the handshake, but I, then I and then I I was too busy looking at Maria because I was on the commentary uh, of the, that match point for Five Live, and whilst I'm looking at Tatiana Maria celebrating I just start hearing booing mm. but I didn't know what was going on yes I just saw a um a tipped over chair mm. 
Oh. It was a very poignant image. What had happened was Ostapenko had thrown her water bottle down in disgust as she was trudging off the court and it had hit the chair. Such was the force with which she had thrown it and knocked the chair over in her wake. You've got to really put your back into that, Mm. haven't you, to knock it over. She was displeased. (laughs) But, I mean, it really did have everything as a match there. Yeah. Everything you could want. A lot of face from Ostapenko, drama. I'll miss that face. It was in the balance the whole way. Maria saved match points, didn't she? Sliced forehands. It was just... She was the baiting. She was baiting Ostapenko to go for it when yeah. it wasn't on, and she was doing it with these horrible little forehand slices and drifting it onto the baseline, <laughs> and then doing a short one. It would drive you bonkers, mm. and she and that's the tactic. And she's such a clever player. I couldn't couldn't believe it when I started to read up on. On, on her story and find out that she'd switched from double-handed backhand to single-handed backhand during maternity leave the first time. Yeah, during her first maternity leave, which was back in 2013. You know, she's, yeah. got, a, she's got a nine-year-old daughter who's here with her. Both her daughters and her husband are, are here with her this tournament. And, of course, her nine-year-old daughter is old enough to... To really take it all in and well, appreciate Brody, what her mum's doing. Naomi Brody was telling me that she, her nine-year-old daughter, Nyan, coaches her. She starts <laughs> telling her what she's supposed to be doing out there. <laughs> yes, I think they play together every morning. Like 8.30 in the morning, they're, they're hitting on the indoor practice courts. And she, she had the best results of her career the last time, the first time she came back from maternity leave. I think she she broke the world's top 50 and, and reached a couple of finals, so... This is what she does. Mm. She has a baby, comes back. I think she took three months off for for her daughter that she had in in 2021. And here she is, 34 years old. She's incredible and in incredible physical shape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a great athlete. And and she's a great exponent of the game she has. She makes it work and makes it horrible for the opponents. I I think one of the quotes she... She said in the WTA website interview I saw was some people like to bungee jump, some people like me like to go and have a baby and then come back and play tennis and join a tour. Different folks, different strokes. Yeah. She she saved two match points, didn't she? Yeah. In the second set, hence the the water bottle throwing from uh, from Ostapenko. <laughs> Ostapenko really. <laughs> is such a bizarre tennis player. There's there's no such thing as momentum with her because, okay, she can go on streaks and be unplayable, but she's just as likely after hitting a line-licking backhand to double fault on the next point. Mm. You g- genuinely have absolutely no idea what's coming next. It's- in, in a rally, in a match... In her life, <laughs> yeah, she, she's great fun to watch. Isn't oh, she? I love and listen to her. and and I mean, it was quite interesting. I, I read a, an article in the Guardian by Tamani Carriol, and he, he he'd put her words from Birmingham to her, the ones where she said about America Marina, she didn't do anything. You know, it was all it was all me. You know, all that sort, of, sort of thing. And um, and she said, well, I don't see any points in coming in the press conference unless I'm going to tell you what I think. And I thought, yes, hallelujah. <laughs> Good for you. But I also, I mean, the, the the total inability to see that collecting her mistakes is a totally valid way to win a tennis match. Like, yes, Helena, of course, if you made no mistakes, you would win every match. <laughs> you 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 hit lots and lots of winners. Um, but yeah, you can sometimes make quite a lot of mistakes as well. Um, so Tatiana Maria... Sets up a Wimbledon quarter final with fellow German Jula Niemeyer. She beat Heather Watson 6 2, 6 4 in the first match of the day on centre court, if you don't include Cliff Richard versus Catherine Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> she looked so comfortable on centre court, didn't she, Niemeyer? It was her centre court debut, and yeah, she had weapons that Heather Watson doesn't have they were very clear to see power that heather watson doesn't have but i thought the fact that heather watson had the center court experience might be a factor today and yet it wasn't really nima looked comfortable 
right from the off and she can play Nehemiah she really can play she's you know she's she's 22 which doesn't sound that old but you might think where's she been you know this is her she hadn't won a, a Grand Slam match a week ago before this Wimbledon I think she had pretty much a shoulder reconstruction very early in her career so she's been been set back a bit but she can play yeah, sure can. And I was really impressed with that performance. And I think what I thought she did really well is just not give Watson any rhythm at all. You know, Watson is a really steady baseliner. And we saw her last match against Kaya Yuvan, which was brimming with lots of fun rallies. And once Watson gets her teeth into those sorts of points, she can be a tricky player to face. But Neymar just didn't allow her to play that style of tennis, either with her serve or her slice or her willingness to come to the net. She just, she controlled the match. She played it on her terms. And I thought that was really impressive, as you said, especially given the first centre court experience. We saw what that that did to Alcaraz, um, just, just, well, in, in the very next match, wasn't it? And Neymar handled it all brilliantly and yeah a, a Wimbledon quarterfinal between the world number 97 and the world number 103 both from Germany it's 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 incredible and on the other half of that half of the draw the other quarter you might <laughs> call it in order to be less confusing will be Ange against Marie Buzkova we'll come on to talk about those two matches later but just while we're on the draw all due respect to Buzkova Maria and Niemeyer goodness me there will never be more of an opportunity for Ansjabur will there or it's hard to see more of an opportunity I mean it's it's massive yeah I mean she's massive favorite now and um I might have to put her in my mix. <laughs> Don't know what more she has to do. She won. Win the thing. She she won ugly today and grittily. I mean, it, not exclusively ugly. There were good moments, but for her, it was dicey today against a totally on fire Elisa Mertens. This was this was a great match. Seven six six four for Jabeur saved five set points in the first set to take it eleven nine in the tie break. She, you know, it's all very well to win when it's just beautiful, lovely. Get your get your tool bag out and choose which shot you want to play when. This was this was digging to a dark place for Anshabur, and I think that's quite significant. No one wins a Grand Slam without going to a place like that. So the fact that she went there and she came through today, I think, is massive for her. Yes, I agree. It was a it was a match which felt like both players knew that it was a massive opportunity. You know, all the other matches on that side of the draw had been played. The draw was set. Maria, Niemeyer, Buzkova were there. And especially Ons Jabeur must have realised the opportunity that that presented. And it was a it was a stressful opening set. She was up a break twice and Mertens just wouldn't wouldn't let her get properly ahead and got the break back. And it did end up in this tie break. And that was the moment where, look, I've been pretty convinced by Jabur anyway. I've I've put her in the mix as I think when Sviontek went out, she would be my next in line as most likely to win it. But right there in that tie break, I saw something else that just made me convinced. And that was audacious, bold brilliant tennis when she needed it most you know she she saved those set points Mertens didn't lose them Jabur saved them um never stopped going for her shots especially with the forehand gave a huge fist pump when she did win that set she knew the significance of it I think it's a real test passed for Ons Jabur I think it could be one of the biggest wins of her career mm. Mm, because, I agree um you know that could be the moment that we look back on with her holding the trophy David's well, gone Well, there. we've been saying that for a while, David. <laughs> sure, but that is the match that I could have seen her losing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I, I was watching it out of the corner of my eye whilst commentating on something else, and the, it was so nip and tuck in that first set. And Hannah was tweeting on our tennis podcast Twitter 
and messaging us saying how stressed Ons Jabel looked. And I'm just thinking, add that up in my head. Here's the shot maker who can do it all, but has she actually got what it takes? Has she, that, that's where I've always questioned her. And uh, I've told you it's a different Ons now, David. Well, She's turned a corner. It, if she wins this title, I will bow to you, Catherine. Um, because content, but 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 yeah, looking forward to that. Photo. I will, because um, Catherine has been but, saying but, this all but David, along, and I, log- I take that just logically on the basis that until you see them do it, you won't believe they can do it. And I I get that. I get that. Totally understand the logic of that. Is Simona Halep your favourite for the title? Because she's the only um. one. Left in that's even won a slam. Now Ostapenko's gone I, I, I out. Su- I suppose so. I, I do think also Amanda Anisimova's playing really well, but then she's playing Harmony Tan, and I wonder whether that might be a banana skin for her. Um, but yes, I think I think Samantha Halep is the one that gives me confidence that she... Well, because she's been there and done it. I do think that that's a big factor. And she seems refreshed again. So I would probably say... That she is the my the favourite on paper, but I am getting a feeling for Anjouber based on the fact that she's in that half of the draw and the way that she won this match, and everything. Oh, there's loads of other evidence as well. She's been playing brilliantly all year. This isn't a one-off. I know she had that French Open thing, but it does it does feel different, Catherine. I I, I give you all that. She's got more. WTA wins than anyone else going back to the start of 2021. She overtook Iga Svantec today, 82 in total. I got that stat from a sponsored post on Twitter from Opta Ace. Oh, mm. 82 wins since when? Uh, since the start of 2021. That's a, that is a lot mm. of wins, isn't right. it? More than Shvantec. More than Shvantec. I mean, obviously Feels this like year... Feels like Shvantec's had 82 this <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously this year Shvantec's way ahead. But, um, yeah, I liked it. So, mm. thank you, Opta Ace. Um, give them a follow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give them a follow. Um, she'll now face Marie Buzkova in the quarterfinals, who's amazing versus Caroline Garcia. Seven five six two, out on court two at the start of the day. Tell us about the backhand, Matt. Oh, it was stunning. It was stunning. It was early in the second set and she'd been defending for her life in this rally against Garcia. And Garcia had hit a backhand smash angled into the Buskova backhand corner. And I thought the Garcia backhand smash was going to have won the point. It looked like it was about to bounce for a second time. Buskova scrambled and not only got it back, but fired a winner I don't quite know whether it went round the net or just over the net, but it was, you know, in that region, so low, so straight, so powerful, clean winner. It was absolutely incredible how she reached it and managed to conjure up that shot from that position. She was flawless today. Do you know how many unforced errors she hit in two sets? Four. (laughs) What? Just four unforced errors. She had that perfect blend of going for it when she needed to, but also absorbing any everything Garcia was throwing at her. I actually think playing Mertens will probably be quite good prep for Jabir for playing Buskova. There's there's a similarity there, a bit uh, tricky, J- consistent. Jabir referenced that in, in press, oh, did didn't she? she? Yeah. Okay. I mean, she, she said glowing things about Buskova, but she also said, at least it's a, it'll be a similar match for mm, me. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that that you and Ons are on the same page. We're on the same page, yeah. Um, that's a nice moment. <laughs> Validation. <laughs> so those two uh, quarterfinals, all the women's quarterfinals, will be played on Tuesday. Uh, so we have one more day of round four action to come before we move on to the quarterfinals. This is how what what used to be Manic Monday is uh, is looking like tomorrow. Just just regular old Monday. <laughs> and and actually, that was the takeaway from today, wasn't it? And I think you said it, Catherine. That match between Ostapenko and Tatiana Maria on Manic Monday, that would have been a bit lost. Totally you lost. Know, that would have been, I don't know, out on court 18 or court 12 mm-hmm. somewhere, probably. And, OK, it was a bit lost by Cliff Richards singing all over it. Um, for the first hour or so, but the climax of the max, 
all all eyes were on it because it was on court one and you know it was it was just great and i i think that right there is why it's it's right really to split it over two days agreed and just since cliff's come up again could we could we just give a shout out to Pam Shriver oh, yes. for rescuing some of the Cliff situation <laughs> with by reprising her dance role in the whole Cliff episode? Because in during original Cliff in what would it have been ninety six? It was ninety six. Yeah. Um, Pam, Pam, and some other tennis players did some formed a sort of dance troupe yeah. during Cliff. I think there was Gigi Fernandez in that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Conchita Martinez. Conchita Martinez. Mm. Well. Um, my mum my is a and... massive Cliff fan, so she will have enjoyed it. Good. Aww. Glad people enjoyed it. Well, there weren't many people in the stadium joining in with the no. singing. That was, no. that was the awkward and, bit. And it was very awkward and... And thank goodness for Pam, thank I would say, Pam in that moment. Saved it. Well she done, did. Pam. She brought some seriously needed energy, energy. I would say, to yeah. that situation. So very well done, Pam. <laughs> um, tomorrow's order of play features absolutely no Cliff Richard whatsoever, to my knowledge. Starting at one thirty on Centre Court, Brandon Nakashima up against Nick Kyrgios. Um, interesting. First on centre is very different to last on court one yeah it is it is um i wonder whether they've done that deliberately mm. <laughs> if we're gonna put him on center let's put him on let's put him on before the watershed different when he vibe, isn't it? everyone's expecting him to win it's just a different <laughs> vibe uh Bedosa against halep yes please that's a big yes please yeah i i hear what you're saying about halep david and and i agree with lots of it but I think that's tough tomorrow, oh, Bedosa. If Bedosa plays I think Bedosa her best, might win that. she's definitely got a chance. Mm. I would have thought it's um, yeah. And finally, Botic van der Zandschulp against Rafael Nadal. I've started saying Rafael Nadal when I do the orders of play, like uh, your man, your announcer man in uh, in Paris. Mark Morey. Mark Morey. Mark Morey. Mm. Mm. Raphael Nadal. It's a good name, isn't it? Yeah. It's a great name for commentary. I love it. <laughs> love it when he's about to hit 2021, a winner. 2021. <laughs> 2022. Ah, uh, court number one tomorrow. Elena Rabatkina against Petra Martic opens things up. Then Jason Kubler faces Taylor Fritz. And Amanda Anisimova and Harmony Tan last on there and there's singles action on court two as well Christian Green against Alex de Menor and Elise Cornet against Ilya Tomljanovic um, in the mixed doubles today we lost Genus before I'd even had a chance to come up with a better name for them <laughs> Venus Williams and Jamie Murray knocked out by Johnny O'Mara and Alicia Barnett 18-16 in this third set tiebreak, scenes, Matt, scenes. Such scenes, yeah. It was an incredible tiebreak. Um, I think Venus and Jamie had five match points that they couldn't take. Um, but even in defeat, it was just remarkable. There was one Venus Williams backhand up the line winner and subsequent celebration, which will stay with me. I, I immediately messaged Andrew, friend of the pod, biggest Venus Williams fan that I know, and he said that backhand pass and celebration will stay with him forever. He said, getting to watch both Serena and Venus compete this week, even in defeat, he said, nothing like it. And I shared that sentiment that that's a big takeaway from week one at Wimbledon. We we saw Venus Williams and we saw Serena Williams again. Uh, Amazing. That is really cool. Mm. And, and actually, funny enough, it was a year ago when I think we, we decided our view was that we probably wouldn't see, probably wouldn't see Serena again and we certainly wouldn't see Roger Federer again. And here was Federer saying, I want to experience it one more time. And even if it's kind of like a bit of a going through the motions and not able to be competitive, it is worth it. Isn't it? It's worth it to see these players. Like Serena had a good go in that first round. Venus had a good go in the. It's 
I'm, I'd be happy to have a good memory <laughs> to take away. If it's what they want, I'm totally happy with it. I I cannot bear all this, you know, people that say they they should they should retire and go go out gracefully. Yeah, bollocks to that. Yeah. Hear, hear. Um, so, bollocks to that feels like a great note to, <laughs> That'll be a quote to the New York Times. end the Day 7 podcast on, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, next time in the New York Times, Matt and David will have their elegant lines and I'll have Catherine Whitaker told the patriarchy to get in the bin. <laughs> bollocks to that. Uh, Willow, aren't you lucky to be our Wimbledon mascot? Hello, Willow. Um... David, you've got Darwin. How'd you do today? We had a win today, Darwin. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember so who it was, but we did. Cameron Norrie, I Cameron think. Norrie, Cameron Norrie, Mr. Reliable. <laughs> never lets me down. Uh, Carter and I scored a win with Julian Niemeyer. Matt, dearly departed Gerald, how did you get on? No. <laughs> Carlos Alcaraz let me down. What a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Jean still chewing away on her bone. Uh, she is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss, who were obviously Billy Jean was in the in the parade of champions today, and they were in the royal box together, and they sat and watched all of the tennis from beginning all of it. to end, and that was recognised by Novak Djokovic actually after the match. He said what it meant to him to have have them watching throughout. What a honour it was to play in front of Billie Jean and and he, and he said he thought he knew his tennis history mm. until he was talking to Billie Jean King today and he realised there's a lot more history he still needs to know relatable Novak mm. relatable I l- just loved that they watched it all yeah yeah wonderful um Carl Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee are our executive producers and top blokes and we've got shout outs we do we have John and Leah who are long-time oh, supporters. we love John and Leah. Ah. They are from Reading and Hamburg, respectively, but Hang they, on, but they live John in London. I didn't know John was from Reading. No, nor did I until I read that today. Why hasn't he mentioned it sooner? We could <laughs> talk Reading together. Is he a Reading fan? Let us know, John. <laughs> Whereabouts in we Reading? We need to know. <laughs> what school did you go to? <laughs> All the important stuff. <laughs> it's almost getting a bit, um, Cameron, Cameron. Harry, where do you live, weird? <laughs> <laughs> it is let's move on we also have lily dennison who is in minneapolis All right lily hello lily lily says that uh she played college tennis and watched the professional game passively is her word until the u.s open 2017 when she discovered the tennis podcast and she's now obsessed Aww. with tennis Aww. as a sport i feel very hello lily shocked. that's lovely hmm. i can't think of any lilies who played tennis professionally can you no nope. no i can't no. No. stony silence sorry mm. but thank you lily and finally we have chrissy davis Oh, what a oh, Chrissy. perfect name. Chrissy is in Australia and she says she's a huge tennis and Taylor Swift fan. Oh. And Catherine, she wants to know your favourite Taylor Swift song. Depends what mood I'm in. Quite right. How about the mood you're in right now? Right now, well, it's, it's 1.05 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Generally irritated. Prob- probably go for a bit of all too well. Ten minute version. Chrissy says Taylor- my favourite is Taylor's all too version. well. Oh, it's, it's all worked out. Does, does she say she, ten minute version? Presumably, I would have thought so. Oh, How yeah, many versions are there? So. I'll talk talk you through it. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to hear them all, David. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Chrissy, um, for supporting the Tennis Podcast. If you would like to become a friend, the link to do so is in our show notes. You can get yourself a shout-out or an intro or just get yourself the lovely extra content that we record and make available for friends, including uh, the Tennis Podcast. No, it's not called that. Including Tennis Relived <laughs> and the two Wimbledon Relived episodes we recorded uh, in the build-up to this Wimbledon. Uh, if you want to sign up to the newsletter, uh, do it. The link to do that is in our show notes. The stats are brilliant. It's all 
It's all lovely stuff. I mean, they really are amazing. Tell your friends, leave us an Apple Podcast review, and make sure you join us tomorrow for Not So Manic Monday. We'll speak to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.